0: Welcome to Sex, Body, and Soul. I'm Kate Roberts, founder of The Body Agency. And on this show, we talk about the marvel that is our bodies, what they can do, and what they need to thrive. Ladies out there, our time is now. Let's get to it. Our next guest is the incredible and beautiful Frederique van der Waal. Now, Freddie, as she's affectionately known, is a very dear friend of mine. I've known her for a long time she is from the netherlands also known as holland and she is most well known for being one of the first supermodels from victoria's secret she's been on the covers of countless magazines such as cosmopolitan and vogue and now she is an incredible philanthropist and businesswoman entrepreneur welcome freddie Freddie, welcome to the show. It's so good to see you, my friend. I was just on my my little morning walk with my puppy and I was thinking about all the crazy times that we've had over the years, including wiggling our bums in the Congo. I know that. I remember that as yesterday, but I'm afraid um, you were dancing
1: there with the little Congolese kids. I remember that so well. They were all laughing. It was a very intense, amazing, beautiful, and also
0: lots of uh, emotion and tears. I remember very clearly. I also remember doing a water demonstration, going to the river, picking up some dirty water and then cleaning it. It was a Procter & Gamble product, a little packet that takes out all of the gunk out of the water so that you can have clean water. Remember that? And drinking it. And everybody sort of looking at us that
1: there we were drinking that water.
0: Yes. I also then think about Sundance and all the little trips that we've done. Because you, my dear, have got your fingers in so many pies. You're an entrepreneur, you're a filmmaker, you're a business owner. And of course, this all started for you as a supermodel. So tell us about the beginning of how this beautiful young lady from holland became one of victoria's secrets first angels
1: i mean growing up in holland um born and raised it wasn't something ever in uh, on the agenda or that we even knew about Uh, fashion was very far away from uh, my bed as they say and um I think around 16 or something, a friend of a friend said, you know, you could do some modeling. And I was like, what do you mean, modeling? (laughs) And yeah, posing in front of a camera for a magazine. And I was like, huh? And you can make money with that. And I was like, really? Like much more than uh, my paper route and my my, uh, babysitting job. So he actually introduced me to an agency called The Bookers, And I remember I had a job. My first job was the Bayekorf, which is sort of the Bloomingdale's Bergdorf's of Holland. I know it. And I remember looking at that picture the first time I saw that, and I was like, what? (laughs) So weird. Uh, A different me. But that sort of um, started the ball rolling, and they were affiliated with uh, Elite, and they asked me if I wanted to join elite look of the year. An elite modeling agency is one of the yeah, biggest in the world. And by the way, my motivation was to win a car. <laughs> I <laughs> won a car and I didn't have a driver license because in Holland, you had to be 18. <laughs> so I won this beautiful red Peugeot 205, I still remember, and I had to sell it. And actually, it was a moment very interesting where my mom very much empowered me because I remember we put an ad in one by a contest and then these people came and then I sort of went, you know, mom, help me. And she said, me, Uh, this is your car. And so I had to make this deal right there and then in the living room, not knowing that that planted quite a seed because I started my career. I won also the international contest elite look of the year. And uh, in the meantime, on a personal level, I made quite a few shifts. Uh, I lost my parents in about a two-year period, my stepfather, father and mother. And at uh, 18, 19, 18, I decided, you know, Holland didn't feel so good. And I had this contract and I decided to come to New York. I mean, I did a little bit of Paris. I did a little bit of, Italy and that wasn't really for me and I loved the feeling in New York there was a sort of um I mean it was rough we're talking late 80s but maybe because there's a recognition of course to Holland and New York had um yeah there was it wasn't just all about fashion so I ended up moving to New York and um kind of never turned back (laughs)
0: Mm. yes and I have just gotten finished watching the Hulu Victoria's Secret series. And of course, you're all the way through it as one of the first Victoria's Secret supermodels. Did they have angels in those days? Were you an angel? Did you wear the wings? The wings came later. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah, but definitely one of the originals. And your beautiful self has been featured on many, many, many magazine covers. And you've had an incredibly successful life as a model but also as an entrepreneur and giving back and you're you're the epitome really of this podcast because yeah. sex body and soul you're sexy you have an incredible body but most importantly you have incredible soul and your whole life you've been giving back and being champion of various causes with me I'm lucky to say as well as many others but I want to get back to the Victoria's Secret days and now Victoria's Secret sort of being exposed as this, gosh, how do I put it? Place that's not safe for girls, right? <laughs> We've seen the whole Jeffrey Epstein scandal, tragedy, girls being exploited for sex, so on. So I, I want to talk about that for a second. Yeah,
1: well, I, I have to first of all say for me personally, I very much remember when my agent called and asked me if I wanted to work for Victoria's Secret. And um, you have to understand you, you you are your own boss in a sense as a model. So certain jobs get offered. This was a different time. It was them coming to me. And I remember looking at it thinking, huh, I don't know, I, I don't want to have these photos where you have sort of boys or men standing with you uh, sniffing you I think this is much more about an empowerment of women and so I said to my agent look Arthur Elgort was one of the photographers that they were considering I said listen if we shoot with Arthur Elgort and there's no guys in the shot I think it's really about women empowerment how you feel yourself your body lingerie is part of that. It's an empowerment. It's for you to feel sexy. It's for you to feel strong. And I said, I would like to uh, work with them under those circumstances. And so that's how um, a very long working relationship started. It's very unusual, actually, that you have clients that run for about 10 years. And that's what happened with Victoria's Secret. And in those days, it was, uh, you know, we had Stephanie Seymour, Naomi Campbell, Jill Goodacre. There was a whole gang of the girls who joined their team. And I have to say, they were always very respectful to me. And I've had, yes, are there certain photographers that, you know, sometimes you wonder what they were asking? I told them, you know, to take a hike. I will not use my French words for this. But, you know, if something wasn't correct, I thank God spoke up in, even in those days. And I think a part of that came from a Dutch growing up being strong in your own skin. Yeah. Yet that also said we, I remember shooting, Paul Lang was a photographer who worked a lot with them. And at one point, I remember we were shooting in Santa Barbara. And even in the Hulu shoot, there's a moment of that place where we shot and the art director and some of the main people were all women in those days also and then um, I don't know I didn't feel it was not my best day in my body and I said you know what I think all you people should wear underwear like photographer assistants everybody should be in their underwear shooting (laughs) they did it there was a moment also of like you know it's you sometimes feel terribly vulnerable Uh, everybody does so they were also that kind of People, Sadly, what happened with Victoria's Secret, and for a moment putting the Jeffrey Epstein aside, is that they didn't grow with the times. My day was really about an empowerment of women. We weren't these sex symbols, maybe in some ways it became that a bit. But it wasn't about that. It was really empowering women in America. And I know we did that. I mean, I had so yeah. many wonderful reactions of women over time that I knew we were doing something good rather than something bad and giving bad body image. We weren't yeah. thin girls. I mean, I'm a voluptuous woman. Uh, I have breasts. It wasn't like I was some skinny over bones character. And I think, in a way, on diversity, we were even a diverse group of women. I think, in the end, time did change. Thank God, as time should change and move forward. Victoria stayed stuck in this white male idea of what sexy was. And men took uh, a handle of the company.
0: Yeah. So I have so many questions. First of all, you are indeed everything that you said. And in the beginning, I believe you. I believe that that was the case and that you were empowered and you were safe. And now in the window of Victoria's Secret and in the advertising is girls of all shapes, even women who you would class as overweight in the images that they are portraying and my first thought is they've been bullied into doing this right that's my first thought right as in they've had so much criticism they're like okay let's have some fuller figure women you know it doesn't seem real to me that's just how i see it it's it's interesting i was actually also not so
1: long ago we were driving by uh, on 5th and now you see this video and and Again, I think it's really good to embrace diversity. And it's very dangerous to say this out loud, but there is this thing, we everybody went overboard a bit. And for example, in weight issues, yes. I mean, not everybody needs to fit in a size six or an eight or whatever. And some people are more big boned and some people are small boned. The fact that we suddenly started celebrating Also, enormously overweight, I think, is strange in the sense of we should be aware that what is healthy and what's not healthy. Do we want to see somebody who's a big size woman? Absolutely. But it has to be healthy. Mm -hmm. What is perfect in one eye? You know, this is a wonderful thing of today is that we're looking at women and men in we see lots of shapes and forms, but this whole idea of to be too overweight, hey, hello, there's a much bigger problem in America on how we look at food and that we're actually getting poisoned. Fast forward to my life uh, (laughs) in a way, but understanding and and I've been extremely fortunate in a sense that growing up in Holland, we were used to a certain way of eating For example, we now know that certain sodas are absolutely not good. Like when I came to America and people said, oh, you want a Coca-Cola? I said, I clean my bicycle with Coca-Cola. I'm not going to drink that. Yes, if I maybe have a terrible hangover, it works wonders. But these are things that we're starting to realize that we're being poisoned. But again, if you go back to that time and and what you see now, they did have to make a move. It's a pity I said already a couple of years ago, they actually should bring back the old girls. I'm moving my hands. The women well, of that yeah. time would have been, for example, a great way of showing diversity to actually use at, at women. And different age groups. Different age groups. All
0: young girls in these images. All young girls. Whether they're you know, overweight or full-figured or skinny. Yeah. They're all young girls. Still. I agree. I like that idea. I'm going to suggest that, see if we can make that happen. Let me ask you this. In the early days, did you feel pressure to be a certain size, to watch your weight, to watch what you ate?
1: I mean, definitely. I mean, there was, this was a time, I remember this was also a time where there was a difference between a runway girl and a girl who like me did more editorial. And so I had contracts with American Vogue and covers and all that kind of stuff. So to suddenly go on a runway, I remember they said, aren't you a little bit too big? (laughs) Did they say that in those words? yeah I mean it was it not yeah I mean there was definitely you're rounded and I go yeah this is who I am so mm-hmm. and I do remember at one point I didn't grow up with delivery food so when I came to New York I thought that was like the best invention ever and I was eating Chinese food about every day so suddenly I did a little bit and so my agent said um, I think you have to slow down on the delivery food <laughs>
0: <laughs> but it's all the sodium it's I, mean, all the so salt salt did, I was
1: bloated as shit. But yes, it was definitely said you had to fit a certain look. but it wasn't, you know, you had a real rapport with, mostly with your agent and Booker. and if there were certain things a complaint or in that sense, you would discuss that. I have to say when I didn't like something, I was very outspoken. I remember Mm. there was a particular photographer who had, and I didn't know that was he had an uh, alcohol problem or drug problem or whatever, and he kept going off on me that I had to look a certain way, even to the point of looking raped. And I, at one point, was so fed up, and I said, you know, I'm done. Fuck you. Sorry for my French. I'm walking back to Holland. I was in the middle of Texas shooting somewhere. And they were all like looking at me. And I literally went. And they said, you're on a job. I'm on a job. I'm being insulted. Like, it's enough. I don't mind to look sexy. I don't mind to look this. I go, you know, I'm walking around in the dirt. I'm a tough cookie. But that's enough. Done. Mm -hmm. And um, he apologized and then actually also said, look, you know, I have some problems, this and that, that wasn't correct. And it became a thing in the industry, like just being like Freddie, tell them, to take a hike or take the hike yourself. So I think in that sense, I was because of having been empowered in my Dutchness, I was mm-hmm. able to fend off when it was off and there were bad eggs. I mean, more and more yeah. we of course see it now and there are certain photographers that just yeah, yeah didn't do the right thing and the, but there was also this thing you have, also, I have to say, it was a different time. Like if I had sex at 17 with somebody who was older, I did that because I wanted it to
0: But you, I think you are an exception though. Listen, I've known you for gosh, 15, 20 years and you have always been this strong, empowered, badass woman that is going to get what you want when you want it and how you want it. But so many other girls, I'm sure that you were working with, didn't have that confidence. No. And and there comes something of where I think within
1: the industry, there should have been much more help in that. An agent or warning somebody, even when they knew, you know, there's been photographers that people knew things with. How in the hell could a certain well-known magazine still hire a photographer when you know things are off? But I mean, this is the Harvey Weinstein story. I mean, I remember Mm -hmm. I always, you know, meeting him and seeing him. I mean, there was something very wrong about this person, but nobody dared to say anything. It's like, and, and it's interesting how, I mean, thank God we went through the Me Too. Not to say, I have to say, it's a very important reckoning for women to be realizing that the shame is not on them but on those predators out there. On the other hand, I have to say, as a European woman, I like flirting. I think that if men can't flirt anymore, that's a sad situation. So I know that's very risky to say, but I am a European woman. And I think there's, I, I had it the other day, actually, I said to somebody and I touched a guy like, hey, nice meeting you and sort of touched him at the arm. And he did a little bit of this, and I was like, "Really? Whoa!" Ooh. And then he says, I, "It's so funny because people don't, in the initial stages, immediately are touchy." And I go, "Are you sell- telling me now that I'm seducing you?" <laughs> and I wasn't. It yeah. was. It was like, so it is an interesting time. It is where it is. men and women, or women and women and men, men. You know, it's all around, obviously, but there is still this sort of male women thing where there is something a little bit that needs to also heal again. I think men are terrified. Yeah. Old white male characters. I mean, uh, and I know many who still say things. Oh yeah. I, I, you know, I would have married you. Who are you to tell me you would have married me? I mean, I had this in a business thing and I go, I would never marry you. Like, who are you? (laughs) Like, and still to certain things where you think, and I brush it off. Like, I'm, thank God, past that point that I don't want to get too fired up. But I sometimes put up the mirror and say, do you know what you just said? Like, that's totally inappropriate. offensive Yeah, it's offensive.
0: Let's get back to sort of more recent times. So like me, you're in midlife, right? You've done all this incredible modeling and you've started companies. First of all, are you still modeling? Actually, I I still do some. I'm actually talking
1: to a company now to maybe do some sort of, it's modeling plus an ambassador role. I sometimes do an editorial. I just did a shoot uh, for a magazine. And yeah, I, I, you know, once in a while, I wouldn't mind to do once in a while things. It's kind of fun. An everyday thing wouldn't be, I mean, it wouldn't happen anyway. But yeah, I I still, to this day, do some jobs.
0: Well, I mean you're gorgeous, absolutely gorgeous, and smart and empowered. And you should be, if you want to be, out there still. When things started to slow down, I mean, there's nobody I know that is more entrepreneurial than you. You've literally got your fingers in all pies. You've started a flower company. You've made films. You've made documentaries. I mean, there's just non-stop action in Freddie's world. But when you're Modeling contracts started to slow down, right? As you get older, when is that? Is that around like 30 35? Like, how does that all happen and how did it make you feel?
1: Well, I, I very clearly remember when it started slowing down, and it is again, I feel uh, interesting thing. For example, Victoria's Secret was a great example of who I am and then even was you know, we had worked for a very long time and I suddenly thought, you know what, I should do an underwear line. And I started talking to companies and I made a deal with a company called Jacques Moray. And I wanted to create a line and I actually made, we made a deal with JCPenney and QVC. And uh, actually I was fully pregnant on QVC, sold a shitload of underwear. <laughs> and they at one point came to me and said, Freddie, you know, I mean, this is all uh, nice that you're doing an underwear line. But, I mean, you're, you know, this is not right. And I said, well, I felt like you're going to at one point say, um, you know, you're going into the closet. And I'm not want to go into the closet and be retired. <laughs> I'm going to yeah. reinvent my life again. And so I kind of have this thing where I... At the right timing, I knew how to reinvent myself. Is it hard when suddenly, you know, it used to be choices of several things a day and suddenly there was no things? Yeah, that was hard. But I kind of went on. I also understood that there is a time for certain things. And then I also Mm -hmm. realized that when you reinvented yourself, for example, um, after my daughter was born, clearly that was a time of a quiet time. But my my motherhood and family life was very important. But then I started doing uh, television stuff and I ended up shooting certain shows. I did a cover shot, which was a wonderful show I did. And it was really to embrace women who went through hardships. And then I had this whole team of hair and makeup and a photographer and we show them that so much can be done with clothing and hair and makeup which all seems so frivolous but yet
0: when you feel and look good it no, but goes I mean, let's deeper. be honest here. we want to look good right we want to stay young looking we want to wear nice clothes we want to be attractive we want to that's just all good for your self confidence right i don't think we need to dance around that right but i would imagine it's more acute for somebody who, like you, has had this incredible career in modeling and fashion. And do you ever like look in the mirror and think, how do I slow this aging process down? I mean, you'd look incredible. I think everybody goes through that. I mean, it doesn't matter, and especially
1: actors and models, because it is so about the visual. And so it has a huge effect. And often this is where the problem comes in. Because indeed, they indicate we don't want an old person, we want a young person. If the cream, uh, you know, from Estee Lauder for $300, sorry, Estee Lauder, we love you, but, you know, we use a young person. Well, those days, thank God, are over also when everybody started waking up, yet the shit gets airbrushed out of it. And you think, you know, that person or me, like I remember looking at a cover, Not so long ago, and I go, oh, a little little airbrush there and there. Like, make it a little bit (laughs) smoother, because when I smile, I have so many wrinkles. Aging is something that every step of the way, you need to embrace it. I have come to understand youthfulness is a state of being. So the moment that you feel more joy and youthfulness, you look better. And I see that yeah, one of my dearest friend, Beatrix Ost, who um, actually uh, on her birthday announced her age of 83, is as young as a person- She's gorgeous. I know, I mean, yeah. she's fabulous. She's fabulous. Tra- she's
0: absolutely gorgeous.
1: This last yeah. weekend I was uh, dancing, which actually felt so unbelievably good. And um, there was a whole mix of young, old, everything mixed. And this woman comes on the dance floor, dancing so exuberant. Turns out to be Joan Jonas, the very well-known American artist, uh, multidisciplinary artist, uh, who's getting a retrospective at the MoMA, is 86. And I saw her, and you can feel that this is what it is. You can see the joy and it comes across. And I think, you know, again, every time, yes, I wake up sometimes and go, my newest thing is, is, where did these, like, sort of, I have a tiny bit, like, this gets easier, swollen under my eyes. Like, what is that? Like, I'm not a huge drinker and whatever. And then, or this, it scares me that this. I firmly believe, though, to embrace the steps. I don't want to look yeah. like a freak. And no. if you want to do a little bit of stuff and taking good care, yes, absolutely. All good uh, facials mm-hmm. and, you know, there's little maybe things that can help. But too much, I think, is sad. And actually, I've seen it sadly with a few of my colleagues where I kind of when I see them, I kind of go, are you 90
0: or are you 50? You know, it's not like you're yeah. suddenly looking well, like 30. You can age yourself Yeah, by doing too much. and. Her name is escaping me, but there is a supermodel now who has disfigured herself by having bad...
1: Linda Imagelista, yeah. I don't know. I find it really sad to hear those things because in the end, you know, it's like when you sometimes see these people with their lips. Like, I look at it. I, My daughter and I went the other day to Turkey, and on the airplane, the stewardesses, I thought if we have one pocket here, we're going to have sort of a they all will explode.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's true. And it's so accessible now to everybody. And I don't condone it. Like if there's something that you want to do and it's going to make you feel better, then absolutely do it. Just be safe and don't go overboard.
1: (laughs) No, but I Um, mean, this is what I think as women together, we need to look, I think making certain things accessible, you've always wanted to have, uh, you know, something it's fine. It's all good. Just, you know, I don't know. We're living in a very weird society that we forget what's real and what's not real. And if you would have a wrinkle, that's a bad thing. Uh, Why can't men be all wrinkled and sexy and women have to look all sort of puffed up? I mean, that's weird. It's
0: true. And I presume that in the early days of your modeling career, there wasn't any retouching or any of that, right? Yeah. I mean... I'm sure that they did
1: some things on some of these things, color correction. And by hand, they probably, yeah, they they probably did some. I mean, and I've lived through in the modeling also through the time of where they retouch. I mean, I've seen, I remember an L cover and that maybe was eight years ago. (laughs) I looked at the cover and I thought, oh my God, they actually even moved this up a little bit so that this wasn't going, you know, your lips where your mouth goes a tiny bit down. And I was like, it looked weird to me. But, you know, they can do a lot. And this is where I think it's very important for women out there to also realize that when you look at that favorite actress or model, that often... When somebody's in makeup and hair, it's hours of work. It's looked at, the, everything. And then it's yeah. retouched. Then if it's a picture on Instagram or any social, there's a layer on it. It's not real. So to just yeah. also remember that the moment you start also comparing, and I've had that in fashion where, for example, I go, but why can she still get a beauty contract now? And and why don't I have that beauty contract? Yeah. I think it's a yeah. normal reaction. And I, you know, think, oh, I wish. And then I go, look, whatever. It comes or it doesn't come, whatever.
0: But, yeah, I have to say, though, I'm really impressed with a lot of brands like You know, Marks and Spencers in the UK, they used Twiggy, right, in their campaign. Who must be? She's got to be 70. And why not, right? I mean, she looks great. She's aged extremely gracefully. And she's Twiggy, right? And so I feel like a lot of brands are doing that. I mean, talk about Madonna, right? I think she, well, she's had loads of brand contracts. Well, she's Madonna, But lately, she's had a lot of criticism, right? Because she's doing these TikToks and she looks like a completely different person. Well, it's not that she's just a cartoon.
1: I mean, there's a certain thing. I I don't know. I don't get it. It's interesting. I had dinner uh, not so long ago with Lauren Hutton, who I always um, a huge admirer.
0: beautiful, beautiful. Mm -hmm. You remind me of her, actually. You two are like from the same kind of... Milk. Yeah, it's it's interesting because we've worked
1: over the years together, and one of the, in the beginning in my career, I was doing a shoot for I think it was French Vogue with Patrick Demarchelier, and she was part of the shoot, and she reminded me of my mom, and I obviously my mom you know who had only passed a few years before a year or two years, so I made her sort of in my eye the biggest compliment. Yet, of course, that some little 20-year-old now would say to me, oh, you remind me of my mom, which I've had happen, and now I can take it because I remember this from then. But Lauren, of course, was like, you know, and got a little pissy and understandable, but I didn't understand at all because I hadn't thought about that. I just thought I gave the biggest compliment ever. And then fast forward to she had a TV program and an interview series and she asked to interview me and so when we started the conversation I said I do have to say something you maybe don't remember but it's very still clear to me you know we know we have a similarity and at the time we did this shoot together and I made this compliment to you and you didn't take it well and then uh, she said let me calculate oh yeah I was then what was I in my 40s Oh, absolutely. I didn't like it then. And I'm so sorry. I, that was a time I had to come to terms at that stage of the game. And then you came in and I said, I get it. And it's so interesting that we have to constantly sort of,
0: you know, adjust. Yeah. So like me, you have a beautiful daughter, Skyla. She is just exquisite. And I remember her as a baby, you were putting her on the back of your bike to ride to school in New York. I mean, you know, she's just grown into this beautiful young lady. Would you want her to be in the in the modeling business?
1: Well, she she has her own decisions to make. <laughs> so, we have a fantastic relationship, I have to say. It's really you do. it's it's really growing into I mean, sometimes it's mother-daughter, sometimes it's really best friends. And I have to say even Having been in the public eye, it's a very important thing. I made sure she always had her own light. Like it wasn't always about me. And I made sure of that. And it's funny, we were discussing that the other day. And in modeling, in a sense, like we were cleaning up and we had to, I found all these pictures and she goes, mom, it's like unreal seeing all that because I used to not show that stuff and all the magazines and things. And um, she does a little bit of modeling, to come back to your question. But it's such a different world now. I mean, you kind of have to be either an Instagram star or an influencer. I mean, I think there will be a shift happening now because we're going a little bit away out of the influencers and the Instagram life. Oh, I hope so. (laughs) But yeah, she once in a while, we've done things together. Some people will ask her, but you know, she's very focused on her studies. She would love to do, you know, once in a while something, but she didn't choose it to be her job at all.
0: Yeah. It's the thing that I worry the most about, to be honest, you know, my daughter's turning 12 shortly and he's just obsessed with the way she looks like obsessed. And it's from watching all these TikToks and I don't let her do Instagram, but the TikToks, I mean, she's wants Chanel bags and Dior and, And I'm like, I didn't even know what that was when I was 12. (laughs) I was still playing with Barbies, I think. (laughs) Yeah, no, same here. I don't know if I can give you
1: advice in it. I think it's very much about managing TikTok and, and realizing that it is a bad influence. And when they don't feel right to realize it's about that. I remember very clearly at one point, there was a Christmas And we were in Amsterdam and we were on our way to see family. And we had in the morning a a little thing together with some presents and a breakfast thing. And then she was a little bit like kind of, I don't know, she had looked at Instagram and then was a little annoyed. And I was like, what's going on? And then she said, yeah, no, I looked at these friends and they had all these presents. And I went, are you kidding me? Look where we are. It's like, and the sunrise was like, there was like this beautiful light on the canals and we were going. And I said... You have no idea what you're seeing there on this picture. Maybe the f- the mom just gave her something because the day before she slept her. How uh, you don't know what happened. Maybe she didn't have food the day before. You have no idea. Like you're gonna now reflect something that you see there on us here in this beautiful moment. That you know maybe you wanted a bicycle and you didn't get a bicycle. So what? And there was yeah. this moment of looking at me and saying, wow, i never looked at it. You're right. And so it, it's kind of, she understood that what you see there is one dimension and you have no idea what is behind there and that an influencer is showing her Chanel bag. Well, who knows what her story
0: is? It's bullshit often. How she got that bag. Yeah. God knows what she had to do for that. Yeah, exactly. Freddie, very sadly, we're out of time. As always, I could talk to you for weeks on end. You are a real inspiration. You've had an incredible life. And I know it's really just getting started for you. And so thank you for all that you do. And I love you to pieces. Thank you for being here. Thank you for joining me for this episode of Sex, Body and Soul. Remember, you can find all my favorite products and resources to support your health and sexual wellness through my one-stop shop, The Body Agency. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a rating and review on your favorite podcast listening platform. We are actually partnering up with Vital Voices to get much needed Dignity Kits to the refugees in Ukraine. Girls and women do not have access to personal hygiene products that keep them safe and healthy. Please go to thebodyagency.com to donate a Dignity Kit today. Be sure also to sign up for our email list at The Body Agency for the latest curated recommendations from our industry experts and use our special promotional code podcast 10 to get a 10% discount. Thank you for listening.